And for today is found in the book of Galatians. We are continuing in our series on Galatians, and we'll be reading from uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Galatians chapter 3. Most of you probably have the NIV or ESV versions. Uh, I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version. So Galatians 3, verses 1 to 5. You foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he then, who provides with you the Spirit and works miracles among you, do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? This is the word of the Lord. The church in Galatia was a church that was full of problems. And they had one problem that was staring them in the face. And I find it very interesting in this passage in Galatians chapter 3 because when Paul describes what the problem was and what happened to them, he uses one of the strangest words in the entire New Testament to describe what's wrong in Galatia. Now look at verse 1. See if you can find out what the strange word is I'm talking about. Anybody found it? What is it? What's the word? Bewitched, exactly. You foolish Galatians who bewitched you. Now, I was uh, raised in a time about 50 years ago where we had this TV show called Bewitched. And I actually liked it. I thought it was really interesting. But what, what was interesting throughout the show is, is that the witch... Um, on Bewitched was, would often twinkle her nose and do something and then that would cause a spell to happen to someone. Now, I know some of you are way too young to remember the Bewitched show, but some of you are old enough to remember the Harry Potter movies. Um, how many of you have seen a Harry Potter movie? Raise your hand. I know some Christians don't want their their uh, children to see that. I respect that. But a lot of you did let uh, your kids go see the Harry Potter movies or you might have gone to the movies yourself, you might have um, you might have also had opportunity to allow your kids to go. So, <clears throat> let me show you. In the Harry Potter movies, you will find something very interesting. That Harry or one of the other characters in the Harry Potter movies will take out their magic wand... And they will say something like ridiculous, which transforms nasty Bogarts from something scary into something silly. Or you will find that sometimes Harry, when he was dueling, had a favorite spell that he would use to bewitch someone else. And he would say, Expellarmus. Okay, that was Harry in a duel. But then every now and then, one of them would pick up their magic wand and they would say, Wingardum Leviosa which makes things levitate, okay? Well, that's what was happening in Galatia. 
And what I need is, I need two people who will come up here who will devise a spell using the magic wand and the spell you say has to be the problem that was in Galatia. And the one who wins the spell wins the prize. I need two volunteers. The first two people up here on, on the um, Guaytai. Uh, sorry, I preached in, in the Chinese section earlier. How do I say that in English? Uh, up here on the platform, um, the first two up here get to participate in the, con- in the contest. You have to give us the spell in Galatia. Who wants to come up? Come on. I'm telling you, the prizes are good today, people. You have no idea what's in here. Okay? Come on up. But you have to use this. You have to think of the spell. You have to point at the congregation. We're going to pretend like this is Galatia. And then you must bewitch them. And the person who does that best wins the prize. We have one little wizard up here. Do we have someone else? Anyone else want to come up? Try and do the spell? Any other kids here? Come on, I see some more kids. This spell can be one word. It can be two words. It can be a phrase, okay? But it needs to be whatever the problem is in Galatia, okay? So then when you say that, then that's going to be what bewitches all the people in Galatia. So, so think about it. We have another volunteer. Do I need to raise the age limit? Okay. I'm telling you, the prizes are good today, people. You have no idea what's in the bag. Anybody else want to come up? Uh, do I raise this to past... Elementary school, but junior high, senior high age? Any senior high agers want to come up and participate in this? Really? You're sure to win the prize if, if no one else comes up. Uh, okay, you forgot what the passage said. Well, you got to remember, last sermon, the sermon before that, and everything. Okay, think about what's the problem in Galatia, Okay. You gotta think about it. Think hard. Okay? Let's go up a little bit. Uh, college age? Any college age wanna come up? I'm gonna, I'm gonna point to someone if we don't, we don't have any volunteers. Um, any college age wanna come up? Any Karis age or above? Any senior citizens? Um, well, like me, I get a senior citizen discount at Denny's. The 55 and over menu. Come on, we need one person to duel with this brother. He's going to, to cast a spell on Galatia. And I have much to say, so I can't waste any more time. Shall I just appoint someone? Oh my gosh. John Shun, come on up here. <clears throat> okay, now I want you both to think for a moment. John, you stand on this side. I want you to think a moment. Now, here's the thing. You get one try at it, okay? Do you want him to go first? Uh, okay, that, 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 that might help you figure it out. So what you're going to do is you're going to think of what the problem is in Galatia. You're going to use your wand to cast the spell to bewitch the people. And that's going to be the problem that they're under. Okay, you got it? It can be one word, two words, or a phrase. Right, I'm going to let him go first. You ready? And you've got to do it loud. You want to stay in front of the, the, the mic to do it? Think about it. Think about what the problem was. Yeah, the problem that was in the Galatian church that, that Paul writes the whole book of Galatians about. Oh, he's looking at my notes. That's cheating, son. Uh, okay, you got it now? Okay, now. John? Let's do it. Okay. You stand over here. He says pride. No comment. Okay, ready? Say that again. What does that mean? Uh, bewitched of hypocrisy. 
Okay? Oh, well, that, that, that was very interesting. Um, that was one of the problems, and you're right, so you're gonna win, you're gonna win one of the prizes, okay? But that wasn't the main prize, okay? So, um, John, that wasn't, that wasn't it, okay? And that wasn't what I was looking for. I need another volunteer, one other person. You'll all get a prize, even if it's just a consolation prize. Someone else? I need someone who can cast the spell over Galatia. Because if you don't understand this, you don't understand the book. This passage makes no sense to you whatsoever. If you don't understand what it was that bewitched them... Okay, we've got another volunteer coming on up. All right. Who wants to share their wand? John, you share your wand. Okay. Nah, now you know it. Okay. Here we go. Okay, ready? Anthony's going to try one more time. Ready? Observing the law. Uh, but you got it. Observe the law. Okay? So do it again. Here we go. Try it. Observing the law. Okay. Uh, that, that's pretty good. So, does he win? Does Anthony win? Okay, now let's talk about the prizes. Um, I have new copies of my book, Engaging the Spirits. Traditional Chinese versus Christian encounters with the unseen realm. It's about how we engage what we don't see. Similar to Harry Potter, but real life. Okay, each one of you get one of these. Okay, there you go. Thank you. That's your consolation prize. That's your consolation prize. And for Anthony, we have something else. We have a combination of white chocolate or uh, milk chocolate. Okay, milk chocolate. Okay, there you go. All right. So everybody, pie pie show. Thank our volunteers. Thank you very much. Now, you can have a seat. Here's what it was. It wasn't simply observe the law. It was something specific about the law. It was circumcisioso, okay? It was be circumcised. That's what the spell was. And what was so ridiculous about it in Paul's mind was is that this spell happened when something else had happened right before their eyes that he says in this passage was Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed before them as crucified. And in the midst of that, they had fallen under this spell of thinking that they, if they were men, had to be circumcised in order to be Christians, or if they wanted to be Christians at all, they had to keep the entire Old Testament law. And that's what the problem was. Now, Paul uses a very interesting phrase when he says, what had happened in Galatia that should have kept them from falling under the spell. He uses this phrase, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified in front of you. Now, this is strange, people. It's very strange. I did some research. Um, How far away is Galatia from Jerusalem near where Jesus was crucified? The distance was 580 miles at a time where they didn't have cars. They didn't have a Tesla vehicle. They didn't have SpaceX. They didn't have the MRT. They didn't have anything like that. They had 580 miles as the crow flies, but it was 680 if you walked it between what happened in Galatia and what happened near Jerusalem where Jesus Christ was crucified. So how is it possible, brothers and sisters, for Paul to say to the Galatians, before your eyes, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Don't you see that when he says before your eyes, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He's not talking about the fact that they actually with their own eyes saw him crucified as as Paul saw the risen Christ. but didn't seem see him crucified. Paul saw the risen Christ. But here when he says 
publicly portrayed as crucified. He's not talking about something they saw. He's talking about something they heard. And they heard with a visual uh, aspect to it as well. And what that was, was the clear and consistent preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ. They heard it from Paul. They heard it from others. They heard it week after week after week. But when they heard it publicly portrayed, that's not just saying, Jesus died on a cross for your sins, all of you believe of it. That's boring. That doesn't move your heart. No, instead what they heard was a gripping account of what happened. Not a gory account. This is not Hollywood and and the gore that we had in the Passion of Christ. No, this is the full explanation of the love that came from the One who came from Heaven, whose love stretched to the extent of being willing to be crucified for all of them. This was week after week after week of focus on the love of God, on the uniqueness of the Son, on the tragedy of the only One who's ever walked sinless on this earth, yet being willing to become sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. When I went to seminary, I went to a seminary that that holds to the Word of God, and the motto of Westminster Theological Seminary is is, um, producing specialists in the Word of God. So the Word of God is the foundation of everything that the seminary that I went to um, does and believes in. And so, of course, there was a focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. And shortly after Evie and I moved to the Philadelphia area, we had a choice to make. And the choice to make was, which church do we want to go to? <clears throat> On the one hand, there was 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, where James Montgomery Boyce, the very famous uh, Bible study teacher from the Bible study hour, um, preached faithfully the Word of God, verse by verse, all the way through the Bible, constantly. Dr. Boyce's message, messages are very famous They're very helpful, and they blessed generations of people. James Boyce is probably one of the best preachers that we ever had in the 20th century. So we had to choose between the Boyce voice or going down the street close to our house to hear Jack Miller, who was used to be the preaching teacher at Westminster Theological Seminary, preach week after week. And Jack's preaching wasn't as exegetical. Sometimes it seemed as if Jack's message was a message in search of a text. It was always rooted in texts, but it was sometimes not exactly what was coming from the text. But I tell you what, every time you left one of Jack Miller's messages, you left changed. You left transformed because every week there was one point in his message where the cross of Jesus Christ would so empower him that he would pick one of the many verses or one of the many passages from Scripture that gives us the fullness of what Christ did and he would feed it to us. He wouldn't talk about it. He wouldn't talk about what Christ did. He would bring it to you. He would bring it to me. He would bring it to us and he would tell you, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus exchanged his life for you. He took your sin. You get His righteousness. This great exchange that that happened, happened because of the grace of God and the love of God. And then He would challenge us to experience it. He would challenge us to believe it. He would challenge us to enter into it week after week after week. And after three weeks of listening to Him preach from Ephesians, (coughs) from the book of Ephesians on the love of Christ, I turned to Eddie and I said, and I 
up to that point was favoring going into the city to hear the boy's voice and she was favoring listening to Dr. Miller preach at New Life Church. I turned to Evie and I said, we're staying at New Life. And the reason why is because every single week Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And can you believe it that after listening to that week after week after week in Galatia, then here come these guys into the church with their little magic wands saying circumcisioso and everybody's lines up to be circumcised. Completely ridiculous. Because being circumcised meant they were obligated to keep the entire law. More than 600 rules that have to do with everything from what you can eat to how you should wash to what you do when you get a white sore on your body. So, this was a serious thing. And even though Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified, the Galatian believers were bewitched by the legalists. And because of that, Paul enters into a series of questions that he asks them. And he he says in verse 2, there's only one thing I want to find out from you. He says only one thing, but then he he uh, lists several questions. But it's all focusing in on the same thing. This is the only thing that I want to find out from you. Did you receive this spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? <clears throat> now, what does he mean when he says receive the spirit? What is he talking about? Did you receive the spirit? He's talking about how did you become a Christian? Because to receive the Spirit in your life is to have the Holy Spirit come into your life, to be born again by the Spirit of God, and to become a new person. So he's asking them, what made you a Christian? Was it, you got two choices here. Did it come from the works of the law, or by hearing with faith? Did it come through adherence to a bunch of regulations that you have to do in your own strength, or did it come by the amazing power of God that you believed and you trusted after you heard the message preached. There's only two possibilities. And so he's asking them, okay, you guys are Christians in Galatia, but how did it happen? Through the law or by an amazing work that happens when the word of God is preached and the light goes off in your heart and you realize, you know what? I'm a sinner. And that makes perfect sense. You know what? I believe that I live in a, in a world where God created it. And I'm responsible to Him. And I have a conscience. And my conscience says, I've sinned. And you know what? I hear that the Son of God came into the world more than 2,000 years ago. And He did these amazing miracles. And not only that, He died and was raised from the dead. Again, so that if I believe in that and I believe in Him, I'll have eternal life and I'll never die eternally, even if I die physically. And I say to you, Lord, yes, Lord, that's what I believe. So how did that happen? Did that happen by make sure you don't eat this or eat that or eat from this pan if that pan had this on it beforehand? Is that how you became a Christian? Through a bunch of laws? Through having your body cut through circumcision? By asking the question, you know what the answer is. But notice, he goes on in verse 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He's pointing out to them. Well, the answer to the first question was, they began by the Spirit. It didn't happen by the works of the law. It happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, so if you began your Christian life by the power of the Holy Spirit, are you now in a situation where... 
You're going to grow as a Christian. You're going to get better. You're going to be perfected by the flesh. And by the flesh here, he means either receiving the sign of circumcision or he means by the works and the deeds that you do out of your own strength as you try and keep the law. But it doesn't matter which one of those things. The point is clear. Having begun the Christian life by the Spirit, are you now going to continue it and grow in it it through your own strength? This is probably one of the biggest heresies there is in the Church of Christ today, is that we become Christians by believing in Jesus. We accept the free gift. We receive the fire insurance of eternal life so that when we die, we don't burn. But then what do you do during your Christian life? Well, here's what I do. My Christian life is, Jesus saved me. Now I've got to work hard to pay him back. Jesus saved me. Now I've got to do all these things to try and please him. When I was at Friendship Presbyterian Church in Taipei, Taiwan, I heard that so many times. People's misunderstanding that having been saved by grace through faith because they trusted in Christ, now they had to work real hard for Jesus. No. Absolutely not. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying your works are important. I'm saying that the works that God wants to do through you because His Spirit is in you are completely different from works that you try and do in your own strength to please God and gain acceptance and be a better Christian. And this is what happens. We become Christians on that day where we admit we're sinners and then we often find that we spend a lot of the rest of our Christian life trying to cover up how bad we are and trying to be good then after we've become a Christian because shouldn't Christians be good? And that's not the way... To be perfected. That's not the way to mature. That's not the way to see God's work in you do the good works that he prepared beforehand through the power of Jesus that you might walk in them. We don't do it by our own strength. We do it by day to day. As Paul says in Colossians, so you have received Christ Jesus, continue to walk in him. You received him by faith. You continue by faith. You received Him by grace. You continue by grace so that every day His mercy is new every morning. Every day His grace fills your heart. Every day you realize that you have to pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Why? Because we're sinners. And even though we're Christians and we're not what we once were, thank you, Jesus, we're not all that we should be. And there's the gap. There's the perfection. There's the maturity process. There's the Christian life. And we're all in it together. But it's a Christian life that should continue by the power of faith and not by the power of legalism to try and make us any better. So Paul brings this before their minds by saying, having begun by the Spirit, are you now trying to be perfected? In the flesh. And he asked another question. He said, did you suffer so much in vain? So many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain. They had to suffer. They had to suffer persecution. First from the Jews and then from the Romans um, who were controlling them at that time. They suffered government persecution. They suffered ethnic persecution because they trusted in Christ. And Paul reminds them, says, Did you suffer in vain? Was all that you went through in vain? Because now you're just going to make your life easy and run back and now be like the Jews so that the Jews won't persecute you anymore? May it never be. So he asks them these questions and then he ends with another question in verse 5. Does he then who provides you with his spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? There's two things that he points to happened 
in the church in Galatia. God provided them with the Holy Spirit, and in so doing, he also provided them with miracles. And that raises all kinds of questions. Questions of, do we need a miracle in order to come to faith? That's the first question. I spent more than 10 years researching the question of why the house church movement in China grew to be so so big. Now there's 114 million Christians in China. In 1949, when the missionaries were kicked out, there were 893,000 baptized believers, Catholic and Protestant, in China. And then from 1949 until now where we're at, the estimates are 114 million. How did that happen? Well, I was interested. I wanted to research that. So one of my dissertation questions that I researched um, during all the more than 200 trips that I've taken in and out of China... I asked people, why is it that you became Christian? And you know what I found out? More than 92% of the people said the reason for becoming a Christian was in mainland China. It was because of the miracles. It was something that they had either seen themselves happening, some healing that they had experienced, or something that they had seen or heard happen um, in the life of someone who was close to them. It was amazing. But I started thinking about that. And I thought, well, what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians? Jews seek for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. And I thought about it, because I heard a lot of these kinds of stories. People at first seemed to trust Christ because they saw a miracle, experienced a healing, but then when they prayed again and they didn't get prayed, they didn't get healed the second time, or their friend didn't get healed, then they or their friend decide that they're going to leave Christianity, leave the church, give up on Jesus because Jesus didn't work. Brothers and sisters, when Paul says to them that they received the Spirit and they not only God not only provided the Spirit, but also did miracles amongst them, he asks them a question and he says, how did it happen? Did the miracles come from your faith or from the law? In other words, it's not the miracle that led to your faith, it's the miracle that happened by your, by your faith. And in this sense, it's similar to how the word miracle is used in James chapter 5 when, it's talk, when it speaks of um, the prayer of faith shall raise up the person who is sick. And if, if they've committed sins, um, they will be forgiven of the person. The point I'm trying to make is, is when Paul talks about the miracles that came to the church in Galatia, they weren't the miracles that led to faith. They were the miracles that flowed from faith. And so he asks them, did that happen? By the works of the law or by hearing with faith. The signs of an apostle were in Paul's life. We know this from 2 Corinthians 12, 12. The signs of, of an apostle which included doing miracles. So at the time of the foundation of, of the Christian church, when the gospel came through the apostles to there, they preached God did miracles. And they saw it because God did it through the apostles. I'm not saying that because the apostles are gone today, God can't do miracles. But I am saying that the office through which God used miracles to attest the power of the gospel has left the church with the apostles. But I'm not saying that God can't, can't do miracles. But what I am saying is this, is that everything that happened in Galatia happened in Paul's mind, not because they were trying to keep the Jewish law, but because God, by His Spirit, by His power, and through the message of the cross of Christ being clearly preached, did a miracle of grace and many miracles of faith in the lives of the Christians who were in Galatia.
What can we learn from this passage, brothers and sisters? What we need to learn is that there is nothing more powerful, nothing more glorious than the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ dying for our sins, being raised from the dead, and trusting God's Spirit to touch our hearts so that we can believe it in our hearts and trust it in our lives and live out of that power every day of our lives. We don't become perfected as Christians by becoming legalists. We grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ by trusting Jesus day to day. Let's pray. Lord, we thank